1: The Masculine Journey starts here now. Welcome to the Masculine Journey. We're very glad
2: to have you with us this week. We've got a, a studio full. We've got the phone lines full. We've
1: got just a lot of people with us this week, which is great, isn't it, Robbie? A full house. A full house. <laughs> which I understand. Beats a straight flush. If you're a plumber, it means something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you're a plumber, I'm hoping to have a straight flush. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> just saying. So, Robbie, it's an Eve.
3: And if you're a gambler, you're wrong.
2: That's true. It's an Eve, Robbie. Do you know what
1: Eve it is? Oh, wow. Lincoln's birthday Eve? I don't know. (laughs) It's Super Bowl Eve. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You're absolutely right. The big game's tomorrow.
2: Can Brady do it? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) That's just me personally out there. You can hope he does. Okay. Yeah. 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 Anyway, well, on the on the phone we have Jim and Andy, but we're going to get to Jim first because Jim, in, in stellar fashion, like almost everybody else in this room does from time to time, we have a topic and then we leave town. And so this is your topic that you came up with just late last week, only to tell us you were going out of town.
3: Yeah, it was uh, kind of interesting because I was set up for this one. But the guy said, well, it's your topic next week. I said, okay. And almost immediately, uh, am I my brother's keeper? Because I've been reading Genesis earlier in the day. And uh, then I realized, oh, yeah, i got a trip planned this weekend. So in typical Sam fashion of old, I've gone to the beach for my Tuesday night session here.
2: Yep, so So you are not with us. so, so, what what's our topic? You, you you talked about it a little bit, but go ahead and go back into
3: it. The topic is, am I my brother's keeper? And the immediate answer is yes. So, we could stop there, but you know we won't. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I think we should kick it off with the best example I found, and one that is a truly amazing film, Hacksaw Ridge, where Desmond Dawes, is fighting to be able to go into battle without
2: a weapon. Okay, and so we pick this up. He's in the middle of the court-martial right now, and so we pick it up and kind of listen to how it plays out.
0: Why is it so important to you, given your refusal, to even touch a weapon to serve in a combat unit?
1: Because when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, I took it personal. Everyone I knew was on fire to join up, including me. There were two men in my hometown Declared 4F unfit They killed themselves Because they couldn't serve I had a job in a defense plan I could have taken a deferment But that ain't right It isn't right That other men should fight and die That I would just be sitting at home safe I need to serve I got the energy and the passion To serve as a medic Right in the middle with the other guys No less danger Just while everybody else is taking life I'm going to be saving it with the world so set on tearing itself apart, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together.
0: The defendant's rights as a conscientious objector are protected by an act of Congress, and he cannot be compelled to waive those rights. That includes, in this case, he's disobeying orders to bear arms. Signed, Brigadier General Musgrove, War Services Commander, Washington, D.C. Colonel? I withdraw the charges, sir. Now, this case is dismissed. Private Doss, you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself. You may resume your duties and begin training as a combat medic.
2: So, Jim, that was an awesome clip, but uh, tell us about why you, why you picked that clip for this topic.
3: I picked the clip primarily because most of us, I know everybody in this ministry does service to others. and there are every I would even venture to say most of the people bothering to listen to this show are serving others. But are we laying down our lives for others? Are we risking everything for people that don't even like us? And that was kind of where I wanted to go with this and that led me into the scripture which I'm going to read now, and it is Luke from Luke 6. But I say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for the ones who mistreat you. For the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And for the one who takes your cloak, do not hold back your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you and whoever takes Something of yours, make no demands upon him. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are doing good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do this. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to take, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of Eliyahu, for he is kind to the ungrateful and evil one. Be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate to you. That, to me, is being our brother's keeper. It's uh, not just stepping out of your comfort zone, but giving your all. To serve God, and that's what I aspire to. And I'm a long way from.
2: Yeah, that's a that was a really good passage, Jim. As far as tying that in to the topic, it's it's hard to think about exactly you know who to help, when to help, how to help. Yeah, you know, I think you got to just walk with God through that, don't you?
3: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sitting here listening, Sam. I, I, am the center man. <laughs> it's like, what's in it for me? <laughs> it, it, and I, it, and I say that uh, in jest, but th- there's a lot of times when that's the, th- that's the truth. You know, you you get you get to the point where, you know, um, you know, Robbie had asked me in the pre-show, you know, uh, who do I avoid helping, and. You know, the sad part is the answer is pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, you know, um, it, and back to, you know, I was listening to Jim and it struck me that, you know, something that he re- had read in that passage is pretty much the way I feel about loaning people money is that if I'm going to do it, I'm not going to, you know, do it to the point where I'm expecting something in return. You know, because if I'm loaning your money, I'm writing it off and saying, okay, I will never see this again because, especially if you're a good friend, because the friendship's more important than getting the money back nine times out of ten.
2: Yeah. I'd say what gets in the way for me doing this is a combination of two different things, honestly, Uh, cynicism gets in the way and uh, judgmental, being judgmental, you know, um, in one of the, the communities in this area where we live, in order for somebody to beg on the street, they have to go get a license
0: mm-hmm. from the city. And a license probably costs money.
2: The license costs money. And so I struggle when I see somebody with a license thinking, okay, you went to all that effort. This is judgmental, and I know it is. But you went to all that effort to get a license and to put money down and to make it to City Hall and do all that can you just get a job? <laughs> I mean, that's where my mind goes. And I know it's judgmental because I, and, and, and I look to see kind of what they're wearing and do they look like they need the money? Because there's so many people out there that that play the part that thats not that doesn't need it.
0: Right. And I, you know, from my standpoint, you know, I don't have a problem giving somebody a meal or feeding them on the street. You know, the, the, the worst place... Uh, you can approach me as, like, in front of a grocery store or in a restaurant, you know, in front of a restaurant, because the first thing I'm going to do is look at you and say, hey, come on, I'll go buy you a meal. I'll go buy you groceries. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, but I'm not going to give you cash so you can spend it, you know, doing who knows what. You know, we still are called to be good stewards of what God has given us. And you have to give things in good faith. There's, you know, there's the point of... Helping somebody out, which I don't mind doing, right, and we do it all the time. My my wife is my better half, literally, and she um, she's constantly saying, "Hey, we got to take a meal to this person, or we got to help out these guys because you know they're having COVID going on right now." And I'm like, "Great, let's go do that," you know. But from a standpoint of um, total strangers, I have not arrived. It's I'm hit and miss
2: on that and again i know that it's just judgmental i think i've seen too many you know i don't know youtube feeds or whatever of people being followed back after having begged all day and they have a nicer car than i have and yeah that they get into and i know that's not 99.9 percent of the people's story mm-hmm. out there but that's the one that sticks in my mind and it shouldn't You know, based on the passage that jim read it shouldn't really matter right but for me that's a mental thing i got to try to get around is is looking at people and making a judgment do i really think they need it like you if they're in front of a restaurant i have no problem buying them something to eat it's just a matter of giving them money not knowing if i if i know it's a definite need absolutely right but but the unknown for me is one that makes it really hard to go do so robbie you uh you had an experience with this this last weekend didn't you
1: yeah i actually um I have a dear friend that all of us know in the ministry by the name of Corn. He's Ricky Corn, but I just call him Corn because it works so well with all the jokes I like to tell. So <laughs> when we were in Jamaica, uh, I, I noticed this, he has f- this phenomenal giving ability to like everybody we came to. If we went to McDonald's and there were 30 people out there that were begging, he was buying bags of hamburgers and handing them out. And, if, you know every place we went he actually got in quite a bit of trouble from the person leading because he kept on being so generous and he, that would seem that think that Ricky was extremely wealthy he, he's one of the poorest you know as far as resources he was giving out a very little but he would he would give 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 and the other day was having this discussion with me over the phone and how important that when you meet one of these challenges that you actually been given a test from God and that was echoing around in my mind when I was out on the street over the weekend. So we'll, we'll get to that story in a minute.
2: Yeah, like, like normal, I ask a question, didn't give you enough time to answer. So that is the, the lead in as we come back is Robbie's going to tell the rest of the story. But in the meantime, you can go to masculinejourney.org. Look up to see any events we might have coming up or to reach out to us.
1: We live in an on-demand world. Time, weather, meals, and content that's why the truth network has the truth podcast network
0: some of your favorite truth network programs plus some that are podcast only rich content that is rich in the word
1: the masculine journeys joyride podcast authentic moments of truth and laughter with the guise of the masculine journey you'll learn and laugh and even be touched a greater understanding of christ is only a joy ride away the masculine journey joyride podcast at truthnetwork.com
2: hi this is sam with masculine journey i'm here with my son eli Welcome back to The Masculine Journey. We are talking about being a brother's keeper, and we're going to get to Robbie's story in just a second, because I want to see where that goes. But, Andy, thank you for the bump, and who is that? Uh, What's that song?
3: It's uh, Matt Marr, and uh, I knew there was a song out there on your brother's keeper, but I couldn't really remember it and searched it and found it right away, and uh, as I listened to the word deeper than I normally do, I was like, yeah, this is spot on what Jim was getting at, I think, so... Yeah. Jim, can you confirm that Absolutely uh, it's really we're we're not used to being the servants we need to become, and that's what I want to head towards for myself and for everybody else out there and that that's what the song's about
2: thank you nandy and there probably is a song out there called my brother's creeper but i think that's probably a little bit different
3: <laughs>
2: different outcome now, i
0: did not say it like that i don't <laughs> believe that's not the way i heard you, it in my ears. you
2: started to okay. say it that's okay we picked it up but when we when we left we we're getting to a story where where uh, our buddy corn had an impact on you right robbie he
1: he did and you know it's an interesting thing that the, the the idea that your brother's keeper actually comes out of, as, as Jim mentioned, the story of Cain and Abel in early in Genesis in chapter 4. And, and so this was obviously Cain's response to God after he'd murdered his brother. And the word keeper there is shamar in Hebrew. You might knew I was going to go there. But, and the idea is actually looking for Jesus in your brother to some extent and so part of one of the definitions of that word is to treasure your brother and corn is somebody to treasure in my mind you know he's he's outside the normal box if you get to meet corn mm-hmm. but he kind of rolls around in your mind because you know here's this guy that really just does not look at life the way most people do and he very much is that kind of generous guy so my family was downtown Knoxville. We were switching cars with my daughter in college, and a little bit of a story there I won't go into, but we came out of a restaurant downtown. and It snowed, and so it was pretty cold, like 28, 29 degrees, and here's your downtown Knoxville, Tennessee, and here are these homeless people. And as we walked by one of them, and he goes, man, I want a
0: hot cup of coffee.
1: <laughs> and he actually sounded like corn as he said it, and naturally, as I'm hearing this, it's rolling around in my mind like, oh man, Corn would be telling me, it's a test, Robbie, it's a test. This right now, you're getting tested. Because that's how Corn would talk. And so we went around the corner. Actually, my daughter wanted to get a cup of coffee, and we went in that. I just was like, man, I have got to give that man some money to get a cup of coffee. My wife says, don't give him money. He gave the gym plan, is go get him a cup of coffee. So I got him a cup of coffee. You know, with some sugar. It was a $5 cup of coffee. It was a nice, hot cup of coffee. And so I come around the corner, and I give it to this man who's sitting there. And I can't say the exact expression, that he, but he went, H, yeah, a hot cup of coffee. You know, he was like, man, oh, baby. (laughs) And then he was like, he looked at me, and he was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I was just like, you, you, you could see this, and I literally went to tears. I couldn't help but go to tears. Not... J- just because this man was so grateful that I could do so little and get such a huge response, but there was another big part of me that I was experiencing. I was I was like uh, channeling my inner corn. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, one of the joys of the experience actually was to call corn on Monday and, and say, Corn, man you don't know what an impact you've made on my life. And I told him this story, and he was like, you know what that was, Robbie? That was a test. That man needed a hot cup of coffee. (laughs) And, and, you know, I treasure that at a really, really, real cool level. And I think there's something else that I'm going to share that I think is very important. In the Hebrew alphabet, there's a letter called a gimel, and there's a letter called a dalad. Well, the gimel is the so-called rich man who is looking to give back to the poor man what has been stolen from him and the and the Jewish concept of it is to give in a way that you don't embarrass the person who is receiving because actually you're giving back to them what was stolen from them right Satan has stolen so much from all of us. And so when somebody gives to you, to some extent, you're receiving that which has been stolen. And so there is no nothing other than just the opportunity to give back to somebody something that was stolen. So when Jesus is talking about to give them that code or or turn your cheek, or whatever, he's talking about giving them back the dignity. And the treasure of them being in the image of God himself and treasuring your brother as you would treasure Christ, because that's what he says, right, Jim, in that past, as, as you gave to the least of these, you gave it to my brother. So my clip is from the movie, The Least of These, and this young girl and her mom have been staying in a car. They're homeless, and they come into a little restaurant where she is working, and they, he, she gives her daughter a sponge bath with the paper towels in the bathroom. So, clearly, they have no money for Christmas. And then this little girl walks in, sees the Santa sitting there, and she sits down and has this conversation
0: with him. Do you visit everybody in the world? Yeah, of course I do. Everybody deserves something for Christmas.
1: I thought you had lists. You know, a good list and a bad list?
0: Sure, I do. But there just aren't that many kids that are so bad I wouldn't visit them at Christmas. they have to be pretty darn bad, don't you think?
2: Bro, what is wrong with you? Not everybody believes
1: in Santa Claus. Nor, nor do they need to. Do you really feel like your little thing of balancing the scales? If you're good,
0: you get a gift. If you're naughty, you don't get anything. Is that working out for everybody? More coffee, Santa?
2: It's more of that Christmas spirit. Look, I just came in here for some breakfast. Spread a little Christmas tree. Wow,
0: and you're the professional. I don't understand any of this. Okay. Rose is a special person around here. And so is that little girl. She's a single mom. She can't buy groceries, much less Christmas presents. That little girl didn't choose this road. When Rose came here, she wasn't looking for a job. She wanted to wash dishes or clean anything it took to get Katie a meal. One single meal. Huh? Jack fed them both and gave Rose this job. This this happen? Katie's a good kid. She doesn't have Christmas. A lot of kids don't.
1: So I, I just think that that's a phenomenal understanding there of how, you know, we set up through our culture people's expectations about if I – the reason I didn't get much for Christmas is I must have been naughty in that little girl. And these people just bringing that to the forefront. And again, the the movie's outstanding. It's called The Least of These. But but the idea is – do you see what what's going on there? Is the treasuring – that they have of each other as friends and, and the treasuring of what's important beyond the financial situation, which works out. It does.
2: Jim, we've got uh, about three minutes left in, in this, uh, this segment that we're doing uh, uh, before we go to after hours, but I did want to get to your first question and, and kind of ask the team here, what does being your brother's keeper mean to you? So, Jim, I'll start with you, actually. That's your question, but I'll start with you. What does being your brother's keeper mean to you?
3: It means to do what's necessary at a given time. And what I was thinking about most is a friend, and I call him that, is someone I've helped out that is an alcoholic and have literally put thousands of dollars into helping him out. He got clean and sober for nine months in a program, and then fell off the wagon. And the not too long ago, I got a call from a police officer that said he was trying to get down there to come to church to see me, because I would help him. And I it broke my heart to tell the officer, no, I, I'm not there, and I'm not going to be that person there. And I, I i mean, I'm about to break into tears talking about it now, but I knew that's what I had to do at that point. And now he is back in another in program in town and is sober again because I allowed him to reach that depth of not having me to rely on. And that was one of the hardest Acts of actual service that I've done for him, and I've done a lot for him over several years. But God had to do it, and I had to let him do it in the hardest possible way.
2: We bring up a great point that, you know, sometimes the greatest help we can give is is not giving them the assistance that they think they need, right? Because it does make them turn to another source, and hopefully that other source is turning to God. Right to where he can help them rely on him and not on one another. Um, I know we've all had friends that we've had to do that with individually and collectively. And it is one of the hardest things to turn and say, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now. You know, even if you financially could, to know that's not what you need to go do right then because that's not what they need most. And that's where coming, you know, walking with God really (laughs) comes into the equation because you got to know when that time is. And only he knows when that time is, is to say, hey, not this time. Or maybe, yes, this time, maybe next time, if you need to, we're going to do that. Right? But it, it, it's always walking is, with him.
3: is God going to... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm having a little trouble here. It sounded like you were breaking it. Are we going to be like Dawes and put our life on the line to save other lives? To me, almost that would be easier than knowing what to do in the circumstances we normally encounter. I'm like Jim, who said earlier, he gives money to people not expecting it back. That's easy, but when do we give sacrificially, and what does that look like?
2: That's great points, and we're going to talk about a lot more of this in the After Hours. we got more questions, we got... Personal stories to share, you can go to masculinejourney.org to download the podcast, to download the After Hours podcast. You can also get it at Spotify, man, just any of the podcast outlets, you can get it there. So please go do that. We will hopefully have a, a boot camp announcement coming up in the next couple of weeks. So that's a little teaser out there that we hopefully will have one. And we would love to hear from you. So please go to our website, reach out to us, let us know how you're doing, let us know how we can pray for you. We'll talk to you next week.